0: H12, what's up? How y'all doing? You good? Man, I, I, just, I just sense God moving in this place tonight. Um, that's a, that was a powerful moment and, and I, I don't want to ignore that. Um, people up here on their knees, raising your hands. I, I, I see some, some tears in, in some people's eyes. I mean, that, that's, I mean that's the type of, of worship culture that we, we want to create around here. You just offering yourself um, to to God and, and that's it's an unbelievable thing, um, just as your pastor to see you uh, just giving it all uh, to the one who who deserves it all. Um, so that's uh, that's a that's amazing. Um, so hey, I'm glad that you're here tonight. Uh, if it's your first time here, my name is Chase. I'm the student pastor here at the central location. Um, and are y'all are, are, are y'all excited to be here tonight? Come on, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited that you're here Uh, and it's your first time. I I want to say a special welcome to you. I'm super excited that you've joined us tonight and uh, I I would love, I I get a chance to meet you after service in our VIP lounge and so I'm excited uh, for that a little later on, and uh, I want you to know something. When you walk through those doors uh, from the very beginning, before you ever check in, you're a part of our family, and so you're, from the, you're a part of our family from the very get-go, so we're glad that you're here, and I want you to know something. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus tonight, but you can belong here before you ever believe anything that we talk about um and so you can come here you can ask questions you can you, you can talk to leaders you can talk to the people around you and try to figure this whole thing out we're just honored that you're here with us and so um over these next few minutes we're going to dive in uh, to god's word and we're just going to be I, I, I really believe that he has a word for us tonight and i think we're going to be encouraged by it we've been in a series called need for speed right have you guys enjoyed the series yeah, it's been good, right? It's been good. Um, and so over the last three weeks, we, we've been talking about how culture relates the, the, the success of our life to the speed of our life. And, and here we've been having this conversation of how when we have a high-speed life, we lose touch with our soul. And so we've been we've been trying to figure this out, and some of us have realized we've we've been living a high speed life. We've had a lot of things to do. We're we're, we're occupied. Our times is occupied by a lot of things, and so we've been trying to to have this conversation and, and maybe slow down a little bit in our life. And so if you're here for the first time, um, I want to I want to share with you uh, sim- ten symptoms of a high speed life. And so whether you've been here for the past three weeks, whether you're here tonight for the first time, um, you're, you're gonna, you'll be able to walk away with something, I think, that will, will help you maybe slow down a little bit. And, and the whole goal of this series, the whole goal, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks, is that we want you uh, to connect with your soul. Because when you live a high-speed life, you drift from your soul. And we're not measuring the success of our life by the speed of our life. We're measuring the success of our life by the health of our soul. So I want to read you these 10 symptoms to remind you and you, you high-speed people in here, maybe, maybe you need to be reminded tonight. Maybe you heard these for the past two weeks. Maybe you need to hear it for a three time. It always helps me to hear it over and over and over. Uh, so I'm reminded that, Chase, I need to slow down. So let's check these out real quick. Number one, you, you are always rushing from one thing to the next, You can't sit and think without starting to fall asleep. Number three, you never sit in silence. Number four, you never have a day off. I'm sure you guys can relate. Number five, you say yes without thinking every time there is a new opportunity. Number six, every time you go to retreat, camp, mission trip, you hear God clearly, but you do not hear him any other time. Number seven, and this one's a key one for tonight, so I want you to listen in. If you have a quiet moment alone, you get overwhelmed with the number of things that come to your mind. Number eight, you never disconnect from your phone, the internet, or other devices. Number nine, you connect your worth as a person to the things that you do. We talked about that in kind of week one and week two of you are more than what you do. And number 10, if something or someone in your life is a problem, you promise yourself that you'll get to it later, but then you never get to it. If you have any of those, if you can relate to any of those, you're probably living a high-speed life, right? And, and we've been talking about this and we've been having this conversation and, and this has helped us realize that, hey, maybe we need to slow down a little bit to regain connection with our soul because living at an unhealthy speed can cause soul drift. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, this practice that has long been forgotten. And and it's something that culture uh, doesn't promote. It's something that that culture uh, is not probably for. um, And it's hard for us to do sometimes. And so I have this question for us tonight. Does anyone like to be alone? Anyone like to be alone? Okay, just, just answer this to your neighbor. Say yes or no to the some person sitting beside you. Yes or no, do you like to be alone? All right. And, and, and here's the deal, here's the deal. I, I've, I've kind of heard an overwhelming no. I don't think that most of you like to be alone. And I know it's circumstantial, like yeah, you like to be away from your parents or your sister or whoever, right? I get that, right? Come on, um, you're like preach. Uh, uh, and so, uh, you, you, but more than likely, you probably find yourself hanging out with friends, right? And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna confess for a moment, y'all. I'm gonna get real personal, okay? Uh, Sunday, my wife left me. Not, she didn't divorce me. I got you. Come on. She, she, just, she just went out of town, okay? She just went out of town. She went to see family. But I've been alone since Sunday. Y'all are like having a heart attack over here. I'm good, y'all. It's, it's good. It's good. Um, so So she's been gone since Sunday. I've been alone at my house Sunday night and Monday night. Y'all have twins, it gets loud and crazy up in my house and we, we just have a really good time. There's, oh, there's stuff going on all the time, right? Whenever I'm home, there's stuff going on, right? And so uh, I walk in and, and it's Sunday night and like the lights are off and I'm like, I don't even know what to do with myself, you know? I'm mean? <laughs> just like, uh, okay. Um, went through Bojangles, got me some food. I, um, I had breakfast for dinner. I'm just all out of whack, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I was at the house and it's dark, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever been home alone at night? Uh, come on. I'm, I'm a 25 year old grown man and I, I'm scared of the dark. Okay. I hate the dark. I don't want nothing to do with the dark. Like just no. So I'm going through the house, flipping every lights on, like looking at by the shower curtains, you know what I'm saying? Like under my bed, like I still do it. Um, and so here I am, I'm a home, I'm home alone. And it's funny because what I noticed is that when you're alone, like you just start thinking about things and things start popping in your mind and things start surfacing in your life you just like, that you never think about when you're with somebody, right? And you're just like, why am I thinking about that? I don't even need to think about that. Or like, you know what I'm saying? And so here I am alone and I hate being alone. And what I realized is that through middle school and through high school, like this was like a a reflection in my life. Like I, I thought being alone was awkward because I was never alone, you know what I mean? And so to give you an example, like through high school, I played sports, basketball, baseball, football. And I had a guy for every sport, every season. Like I had a dude, like he was my best friend. So in, so in basketball, I would always hang out with this dude called Jordan Cross. And Jordan Cross was the point guard. I was a shooting guard. And, and me and like, we were boys. Like we did everything together through basketball season. Like if we could have stayed with each other like throughout basketball season, we would have probably slept over each other's house all the time. You know what I mean? Like we were always with each other. He was my partner in drills. He was like, he was my boy. In football, it was Jordan Wolf. That was my guy. I was always with Jordan Wolf, and we 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 did drills together. We we practiced together. I mean, we rode to practice together. We rode home together. Like we were all we were all the time together. Baseball, it was a lefty. His name was Desmond. He was my throwing partner. You know what I mean? Like, we'd ride to games together, we'd ride practice together, we'd, we'd work out, we'd lift together, like all this other stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. You have your person, you have your someones, and see what happens is in the world that we live in and the, and the culture that we're a part of, culture enforces this idea of, man, you got to have your crew, you got to have your squad, you got to have your people, right? You got to have your someones. And you better have a lot of someones or what's gonna happen is you're gonna find yourself alone, right? And, 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 and just to be honest, my, my life reflected this, that I thought alone was awkward. I thought alone was awkward. I believe that it was awkward if I, if I was alone. I didn't have people around me. And maybe your life reflects that too. Where are my extroverts at? Y'all, come on, make some noise, yeah, let's go, woo, come on, y'all love people, right? Where are my introverts at? <laughs> do you see the difference? You're like, woo, introverts are like, okay, <laughs> this is a crowd, I don't want nothing to do with, with what you just had, uh, you tried to have me do, like, you just, no, I'm good. So y'all like being alone, right? I love you guys, my wife's an introvert, okay? And I'm, I'm, gonna just, I'm gonna just shoot it to you straight tonight. Introverts, y'all are a little bit ahead in this conversation that we're having tonight. And here's why. You get your energy alone, right? That's where you, that's where you feel full, that's where you feel revived, that's, that's, where, that's, your, that's your sweet spot. And here's what happens. Culture tells us that being alone is weird, right? Culture, culture says that, that the very worst thing in your life that could happen to you, or at least that I've thought throughout my life, is that I would end up alone. That I wouldn't have nobody. I wouldn't have my people. I wouldn't have my, I wouldn't have my squad. I wouldn't have my crew. I wouldn't have my somebody, right? And what, what's happened over time is that this, is, this has caused us to just live at such a high-speed life and never take time for ourself and what's happened and I'm sure that you can relate because it's happened to me is that I've found myself living at a very high speed and I've found myself my, my soul just drifting and I've never I, it's hard to regain when you have stuff to do and you're around people all the time and so here, here's here's the deal we know that what culture says about being alone, right? Some would label it awkward. Others would not. And, and we're good. It, and it's circumstantial. I get that. But I think we live in a world where we're encouraged to be around people all the time. And it creates a high-speed life. But what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about being alone? What does Jesus think about being alone? And tonight, that's what I wanna talk about. That's what I wanna dive into. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, if you have your your worship center Bibles, they're under your seat, you can can turn there, um, and it's on page 1031. And that's what we're gonna be for the rest of our time tonight. Uh, uh, 1031, Luke chapter four. Luke is in the New Testament. Third gospel in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's the fourth one. (laughs) Y'all got points. Y'all got points. There you go, Jesus. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right. Hope you heard that, Jesus. They're good. Yeah. Um, No, that's good. I'm glad you know your Bible. That's what's up. That's good. That's what we like around here. Luke chapter 4. So here here we find Jesus, right? And uh, we're picking up this story, and uh, he, he's, man, he's doing some work, like, he, he's, he's healing people, he is, um, I mean, this is kind of just, he's doing, he's doing his thing, like, he's preaching the gospel, he's preaching like people never heard before, people are getting saved, they're doing all, they're doing all kinds of stuff, right? And I want to read you this story tonight, and it's, we're going to start in verse 38, we're going to go through 34. And I want to laser in on on one verse tonight that I think that will really help us realign our souls. What's that? We good? Oh, sorry. 38 through 44. There we go. We're good. All right. Luke Luke 4, 38 through 44. Did I say it right that time? That's what's up. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, All right. 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went... To the home of Simon. Now Simon, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. And at sunset, the people brought Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. But, he, he, but then he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. 42, it says at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were, were looking for him and when they came, to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must, I must go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other town also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And so here we find Jesus. He, he's, he's healing people. He's I mean, he's casting out fevers. He's rebuking demons. He's doing his thing, right? He's, he's around people. And, and what I, what I want us to focus on is on verse 42. And it says this. It says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people, they were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. Jesus had so many people around him. He was healing people. He, he was, I mean, this guy was, he was a busy man, right? He was doing his thing. And what happens? After this, he removed himself and he went to a solitary place. And what I think that's long been forgotten, a practice that's long been forgotten within our lives is solitude. Being alone, being removed from everything that this world that that, that we live in, that that culture throws at us. And here we see Jesus in this very moment remove himself from, from the things that he was doing to go to a solitary place. You see, solitary, solitude means being alone. But I think oftentimes culture defines this as being lonely. But that's not necessarily true. Alone does not mean lonely. Alone does not mean Lonely. See, Jesus, he sought out solitude. It's, it's, if you're reading from the Bible, of the Worship Center Bible, if you look in chapter 5 in Luke, and it's going to be on the screen too, but chapter 5 in Luke, in 15, we, we see another moment where, where Jesus with, withdraws himself. So here we have, here, chapter, or verse 15, it says this, chapter 5. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came near him to be healed of their sickness. Here it goes. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It says that Jesus often, Jesus often withdrew himself to lonely places. But I wanna tell you something. In those lonely places, when Jesus was alone, He was not lonely. He was not lonely when he withdrew himself in those lonely places. The reason why Jesus removed himself from what he was living in is so that he could have an encounter with God. Because he knew that that was essential for his life and for his soul, he knew that solitude was essential for the health of his soul. For some of you in here your circumstance your circumstance that you find yourself in is lonely and and here's the deal I understand that that that, that some of us maybe Maybe you're alone more than others and and maybe you find yourself lonely and 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 maybe you think there's something wrong, but I want to tell you there 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 might be, but there also i think is another side to that, and maybe it's how you look at it maybe this is an opportunity for you, maybe you have space in your life maybe maybe this is a moment to where you you can you can have an encounter with God in your life. Just because your circumstance is lonely, that doesn't mean you're alone. And so as, as we see, like Jesus, Jesus knew that this was essential for his life. Jesus knew that this was essential for his ministry Jesus knew that he had to seek solitude, so what does that mean for us? That we also need to seek solitude. But I think some of us in here, you're like, okay, cool, I can be alone, I can, I can kinda hang out with myself or like whatever, but what do I do in the midst of solitude? What, what happens in the midst of solitude? Do I pray? Well, I don't know how to pray. Do I, do I talk to God, or do I sing, or do I, do I just sit there and listen, or, or, or what? I wanna give you just a, just a glimpse of what Jesus did in solitude. So this will be on the screen, Matthew 6, 6. I just want you to look up here, Matthew 6, 6. This is, this is what Jesus did in solitude. Verse six, it says, but, when, but when, you, when you pray, go into a room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Jesus in this, in this moment, what, he, what Jesus does in, 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 is in solitude is that he prays to the Father. He's a, he has an encounter with God. And I want you to understand, there's a reason why Jesus withdrew himself from the crowds. There's a reason why Jesus withdrew himself from the people, from his life, from the, from the day-to-day. Because what happens in solitude is significant. What happens in solitude is significant. When you withdraw yourself to have an encounter with God in the secret place where no one's around, it's just you and the Father, what happens in those moments are significant. And guess who that's between? That's between you and the Father. Jesus was chasing after God. Jesus was chasing after this spiritual intimacy with his father because he knew. And so if he knew that this is vital for the health of his soul, it's vital for his life, what happens in solitude is significant. For some of you, when you get in solitude, you pray. And if, if, if if you maybe you're venturing into this this new idea of solitude tonight, maybe you're thinking about it and you pray. I just want to, to encourage you. I, this is kind of off script, and I heard this this morning from one of our pastors, Pastor Kevin Queen, and he shared this with me. And man, it's just it's just opened up my eyes a little bit. And I I'm, I just want to share this with you. And it's on prayer, okay? Prayer is not just preparation for the battle. It is the battle. Prayer is not just preparation for the battle, but it is the battle. Satan does not want you to have encounter with the Father. Why? Because it's significant when you do. You receive power from our Heavenly Father, from, from, from God, to continue to live like Jesus, to continue to love like Jesus. It's significant. Satan does not want that to happen. So he's gonna battle with you and try to distract you and put things in your life that will that will cause you to run away from solitude. Here's the second thing. Man, make prayer a first response, not a last resort. Make prayer a first response, not a last resort. I had, two, I had two young men approach me before service tonight. They're in high school. One lost his brother yesterday in a car accident. And now his aunt's in the hospital. And I'm proud of this dude. Because his first response to this, he approached me and he said, hey, man, can, can we pray together? Absolutely, we can pray together. This was his first response in a moment where he knew he needed strength to endure the circumstances that he, he was going through. It was him and his friend, and they left before service. But what would it look like? What would your life look like if prayer was your first response rather than your last resort? You see, throughout Jesus' life and his ministry, what happens is, is we kind of see a rhythm through the life of Jesus, And we'll call this the Jesus rhythm. Is that cool? We'll call this the Jesus rhythm. And here was the rhythm. Started with solitude, community, and ministry. See the order? Jesus' first response was what? Got to go to the source. Got to go to the Father. Because guess what? I'm going to need the Father for my community and for my ministry. It's essential to have a healthy soul. It's essential to have a healthy life. And I understand that tonight, for many of you, this idea of being alone is is a little difficult. It's it's hard for me, being an extrovert, just in general. And and I, I understand that in in moments when we're alone, things like just pop up in our life, right? That things just consume our mind and and, and all these other things. And for me, most of the time, what consumes my mind in moments when I'm alone, I struggle with. And, and, And for me, what I've realized is that it's a moment where Satan tries to distract me and, and, and deter this, this, this idea of me, me having solitude and actually encountering God. And, and the things that surface, in, in my life at least, and, and maybe in yours too, but in moments of solitude, what happens is that hurt in my life starts to surface. And it starts to distract me. And it's and it's and it's from past stuff. You know what I mean? It could have been from two years ago, or it could have been from last week, or it, it maybe, maybe that day. But it starts to it starts to just come up in, in my life. And then also regret, man. When I'm when I'm alone, I I just think about all my regrets. You know what I mean? Like I think about the things that I, I should have done that I didn't do. I think about you know the decisions I've made or maybe the moments I haven't taken advantage of in my life. Like, I think about those things. And yet Satan just keeps knocking at the door and, and, and throwing these things at me of just hurt and regret. And then he throws some shame in there too. Makes me feel guilty. And, and this process, this surface, just defeats me. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah, I mean, when you're alone, it's it's a scary place. But not when you're with the Father. I want you to lean in for just a moment because I want you to hear this. I know that there's things that surface in your life when you're alone. I know that there's surface, that things that surface in your life that, that, that are just, Maybe, man, they're shackles. You don't feel like you can move. They just weigh you down. But I want you to know something tonight. For everything that surfaces in your life, there is a Savior. For everything that surfaces in your life, there is a Savior. We need solitude. It is essential for the health of our soul. So my challenge for us tonight is we gotta seek solitude. It's pretty simple, right? We gotta seek solitude. But I know some of you right now in this very moment, you're asking like, well, how does that look in my life? (laughs) What do I do I would love to just share just a a practical way that I I seek solitude. I seek solitude in the morning. The morning for me works best. The morning's quiet. I kind of, I I, I want to just have an encounter with Jesus, with, with God in the quiet of the morning before the hustle begins of the day. Where do I do that? I do it in my office here at this church. And the reason why I do it here is because I just wanna give 100% to my family when I'm at home. And we don't really have a room or a place to where I, I can just escape and get away. I like, I'm here enough and so when I'm, when I'm at home, I wanna be with them and I want them to have my full attention. And so for me, here is my place of solitude. In my office, I, I go to my office And I go in my office and I have the kind of the lights out and I have one lamp on and I sit on the couch in the morning and I I pray for my family. I pray for personal things in my life and I pray for you guys. I pray for this ministry. And sometimes I'll even throw on some music just to align my soul, just to kind of just block out, have some white noise and, and just focus just for a moment. And I find that in those moments, man, I'm satisfied. (laughs) Like that, I find that that's what I need in my life. And I don't know about you, but (laughs) I like to be satisfied. you go throughout this life and you you, you continue to be man just embodied and, and just overwhelmed by this culture and this world Age 12 you need solitude you need an encounter with god every single day of your life